Welcome once again to Cinema Holics, where we talk about the biggest and best films coming to theaters and streaming online from San Francisco or the San Francisco Bay Area, to be honest. I'm John Negroni, film editor for theyoungfolks.com from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He is a freelance writer. You've seen his work on Slant Magazine, Cinema Blend, The Playlist, and Handsome Young Man Weekly. It's Will Ashton. There you go. That's a... <laughs> That's the like first. That? Uh, that's the first time I've ever heard that before. That's very sweet. <laughs> I, maybe from me. I'm sure you get it all the time from maybe. the ladies. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> well, hey. Uh, speaking of Slant Magazine, well, Ashton, you uh, you recently put something up on that website, right? Uh, I mean, I didn't put it up there. I, I wrote something for them, and they published it. Uh, I just got my first review for Slant Magazine. Uh, it's for Station Eleven, the HBO Max series. Station Eleven. What's mm. that? Uh, it's an adaptation of a very long and very popular book, and it's uh, now going to be a streaming series with uh, a bunch of people in it. So, yeah. What streaming want... service? HBO Max. Ooh, I have that. Mm-hmm. I could check it out right now. Or yeah. wait, when does it come out? Uh, it will be available when this episode is live, so it should be out now. So you can, Nice. Yeah. Check it out. All right. We'll definitely check that out. And... I had something else to ask you, but I totally forgot. That's I was right. I was gonna <laughs> That's my fault. Well, I was gonna mention that we're only talking about West Side Story today. Mm-hmm. And we, we already kind of teed this up when we did our Don't Look Up review. Mm-hmm. We warned the listeners, we we're like, yeah, you're probably expecting a big old main episode. You're expecting reviews left and right. Yeah. Lots of stuff is coming out. Mm-hmm. But no, we're we're kind of doing a piecemeal approach because of scheduling, it's the holidays and all of that. Mm-hmm. So we're just gonna talk about the new West Side Story movie in this episode of the show and hey maybe we'll come back at you with some more bonus content if we can sure later this week so no promises but definitely a half-hearted guarantee how about that yeah i mean we were talking before we recorded you basically have seen all the heavy hitters for the rest of december and 2021 by extension uh in terms of wide releases yes yeah, i think like the biggest movie i have not seen is being the ricardos yes i have not I've seen, seen being the ricardos you have mm-hmm which is which is a bummer. I was expecting to see it this past week. Just had like a an issue, technical issue with like seeing the screener. Oh really? So I don't have the screener, oh. and uh, I don't really have time to actually like go mm-hmm. to a showing. So right. you know, just haven't seen it. I'm excited S- to see it. Yeah, saving the best for last. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna end uh, 2021 on quite a note. That's sure. for sure. Uh, I'll have you- note. But- yeah, uh, we know at least a couple people who were really fond of that film. So I'm not gonna disparage your opinions but we do i'll shout them out uh, sure. my editor at awards watch mm-hmm. when we were coming out of nightmare alley he was just like you don't understand john being the ricardos game changer i don't remember mm. exactly what he said but it was along those lines he was he was super enthusiastic about it but mm. i think uh it's not the consensus opinion so who maybe knows? uh maybe we can get him on the show to discuss why he liked the movie so much because i'm genuinely really curious to know why i've always wanted to invite him but I, it's got to be for like it, it it's got to be the right movie so yeah i doubt he's listening but i'll send him a clip of this be in the cinemaholics deliberate. there you go you can find more episodes of cinemaholics including our full archive on cinemaholics.com you'll also find written reviews including our written review of spider-man no way home that's right i watched the movie i reviewed it mm-hmm. it is on cinemaholics.com we also have video reviews on there too a lot of the movies we've been talking about we've been putting out written reviews we, we've been pretty diligent about that by we i mean me because mainly say, well, mm-hmm. you've been helping me out with mm. the young folks i guess yeah you've been you've been writing for that outlet which is great because i mean i was looking at the i already told you i was looking at the analytics and your, your stuff's killing it well thank you i appreciate that yeah i was actually 
just moments ago writing my journal for Jordan review, which I'm hopefully send to you in in uh, in a short while. So um, I got more stuff cooking. That's what I'm trying to say. That's another. That's actually another wide release I didn't see. I didn't go to my screening for that. So I haven't seen it. I haven't seen everything. But it, what's your what's your one sentence? Should I brave the world to see Journal for Jordan, or do you think uh, it's a being the Ricardo situation where I'm probably all right? Um, I really honestly don't know if I'm embargoed for Journal for Jordan, so I guess I can tell you my opinion off the air. But uh, I would Sounds not good. risk your health to see being the Ricardos. I wouldn't risk your health, which for I feel any like movie. you would say that about a lot of movies because you're a yeah. stand-up person, right? I was gonna say I, I wouldn't risk. I, I wouldn't advise people risk their health to see a movie, but I would say certainly not uh, being the Ricardos, which is going to be on Amazon Prime in a matter Love of it. days. So yeah. Oh, I didn't even know it was going to... I thought it was like next month, so I'm actually feeling pretty all right about not seeing it uh, at the at the screening. Uh, but yeah, so like I said, you can find all kinds of stuff on cinemaholics.com, including our merch page. Uh, don't forget, you can find... So we have new merch on the site, our new logo and everything. Uh, we sold some stuff. It's great. But we also have our classic stuff. We we sold a, a little bit of some classic stuff this past week, uh, including the classic logo on the hoodie. We know we know you all want to stay warm. That's what I, that's what I assumed when I saw that... When I saw that sale go through, I was like, okay, this person, they need to bundle up. They need to wear layers. And the only way to layer up while also being a high-tier supporter of Cinemaholics, the podcast, is, of course, by getting the Cinemaholics hoodie and t-shirt. Because once you take off that hoodie, people are going to be like, bet what he's got under there is nowhere near as impressive as that hoodie. <laughs> Guess again. The joke's on them. They're going to see that Cinemaholics shirt, the new Cinemaholics mm. shirt that's taken movie theaters everywhere by storm. Mm. So definitely check that out on cinemahawks.com. I'm and, not uh, sure. Oh, of course. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if I want to dive into the reasons why they're they're removing all these clothings, but uh, <laughs> well, they, that's they, pretty it's such a warm hoodie, Will Ashton. Oh, They've yeah. come in, they were bundled up. They're like, yeah. okay, I'm good. I could take, I'm actually wearing, I, it's so funny because I'm saying this, I'm literally wearing the, the classic hoodie right now. Nice. Yeah. I, that's, uh, how, that's yeah. how it works. I was actually laying out my Cinemaholic shirt to wear tomorrow for a podcast I'm going to be a guest on. So um yeah love it Mer- repping the merch there we go and that's the classic one right oh yeah you better believe it man yeah yeah you know the classics left and right what co- what color is your classic one i actually forgot black is it the black okay yeah, yeah. uh um, i know that the gray one is probably the most popular but is it what do i know i like the black one I, not that this is a gray one i mean anything you want to buy from the cinemaholics merch page is uh is fine with me yeah. We're but not complaining. uh yeah but I, I like the black one personally yeah, I mean, I'm wearing the black hoodie right now, but the blue hoodie is where it's at uh, for the classic one. But uh, anyway, yeah, if you'd like to hit us up, our email is cinemahawkspodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. And as always, if you want to become one of our super supporters, uh, we have a Patreon, patreon.com slash cinemaholics. And links to everything I just mentioned, they're all in the, the show notes below. So check that out. Nice. And uh, to double back, it is December 21st is when Being the Ricardos is on Amazon Prime. Love it. See, it's like six days from now. I just don't think I need to like go see it. I could just wait, see it on Amazon Prime. Why not? It doesn't seem like a big screened adventure movie to me. You say that, but the screening I went to was surprisingly kind of full. I don't know why, but it was there were a bunch of people at the screening I went to and a comfortable amount, I think, at mm. uh, being the Ricardos for me at my screening, at least. I'm pretty fortunate because I haven't I haven't really been going to like public screenings um, just because I want to avoid that. 
but the nice thing is when I when I have gone on like very very rare occasion, the the feeders have been like empty basically. So um, that tells you that. All right, let's get into our main review for the week, and it's coming a bit later, so we apologize for that because we already talked about don't look up. And we kind of split things up, but let's get into the really one of the biggest movies. Of like, I was gonna say it's one of the biggest movies of the year, but the box office has not reflected that well, uh, description. Uh, West Side Story. It's one of the biggest award season movies, to be sure. Yes, that's true. Well, in terms of budget, at least. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about West Side Story. But this is Spielberg's version. Tonight, tonight, the world is. This is my first time in New York City. I want to be happy here. I want to make a life, a home. Are you ready? Tonight is about family. The first gringo boy who smiles at you. I never seen you before. I'm not Puerto Rican. Is that okay? Do you want to start World War III? You know, I wake up to everything I know either getting sold or wrecked or being taken over by people that I don't like. You keep away from him as long as you're in my house. I'm a grown-up now, Bernardo. I'm gonna think for myself. Tony, we need you if we're going to war. Who are you? Friend or foe? So West Side Story, as I mentioned, $100 million budget. Big budget, big movie. It's the big remake to the 1961 uh, Best Picture winner. Mm-hmm. The That film, which, you know, directed by uh, Robert Rice mm-hmm. and co-directed by Jerome Robbins, who did the cinematography, although famously Robbins uh, got fired, I think, Um Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you know, I was, I was reading. I think I told you I was reading up on some of that stuff and uh, just kind of getting a little bit of like some context for what people thought of the 1961 film at the time. And a lot of people around that time really liked the movie. But, you know, there was certainly this like feeling of like people giving the film a lot of points for all the effort of the choreography, but kind of reflecting on how the the actors themselves were really run roughshod i guess to, to pull off the choreography in the original west side story you can yeah. kind of tell when you watch that movie they're not they're not giving it 50 percent. right well you didn't see the rita marino uh documentary from earlier this year right no i didn't yeah they talk about it a little bit yeah it was a pretty intensive process to be sure Hey, and you see it on the screen. I mean, that chain link fencing in the, in the original is undeniable. I think we both rewatched the original, right, uh, earlier this month? Oh, in yeah. Anticipation? Uh, yeah. Earlier this week, I'd say, yeah. Yeah, for me, it was like uh, early last week. Uh, for me, that was probably the... I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen the original West Side mm-hmm. Story, uh, but in terms of like, uh, and we let's get into it. Yes. Um, the original film was like Great. on a bunch when I was a kid. Yeah. It's uh, one of my sister's favorite films. And as for listeners who don't know, I am Puerto Rican and it's a rare thing for Puerto Ricans to have like 
movies about us or have us in them <laughs> like it just doesn't happen very often usually if you have like like you have puerto rican actors and and all that and you have like some stories that like every once in a while we'll get something like nothing like the holidays where you have some puerto ricans in the cast uh i think that one even had non-puerto ricans but usually like the latin american latina you know actor or movies that we get tend to be like mexico or you know sometimes you get cuban and it's like there's a lot of countries so you know i understand but this was like even more than in the heights for sure uh th this movie in particular this this new west side story is very puerto rican there's a lot of puerto rican stuff going on here so in our household it was playing all the time but i didn't actually watch the whole thing like really like sat down and watched it as an adult until college and that really was out of curiosity because i remember i think around that time Le Mis was coming out and i remember you know i wasn't like a theater kind of person like i i was in plays and stuff and i did like some musicals but i wasn't like you know as obsessed i guess or i wasn't like in that world like i had a foot in that world mm -hmm. i guess right sure and i remember there being lots of debate between like should there be a west side story movie and this was still a few years i think before they were even like talking to spielberg about making i think around like 2014 or whatever but around the time that les mis was like coming out and people were like we can get these big movies like rent i think was a was around this time when, when we were talking about that and everyone was saying where's the west side story remake because it's been 60 years to this day since you know why haven't they remade west side story and i'm sure we'll have some thoughts on that but yeah what's your baggage on west side story um yeah i mean i i didn't hear as many people talking about remaking it. if anything i heard a lot of people being like oh why are they remaking it but i think to your point like it it's a film that i personally consider it one of the greatest movie musicals ever made i put it up there with like singing in the rain uh, Little Shop of Horrors, Hedwig and the Angry Inch is like one of my all-time favorite movie musicals by far. I think it's a fantastic film, and every time I watch it, I'm surprised that I only grow to like it more. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I do not. Uh, you don't. You're so you're not a big fan, or you just don't feel a strong. I'm a fan. Film. I am a fan of the original West Side Story, but it is not a film I fully love. It has I just can't. issues, I can't which fully yeah, love it. yeah. I mean, understandably so, and that's. I mean, certainly in terms of Puerto Rican representation, I think that was the one of the biggest reasons that it was due for a remake. But at the same time, it's one of those movies where it's like, how do you top it? Like, how do you, in terms of, like you said, the dance choreography, the musicality of it, how do you make it better than what it was already? And, uh, you know, I mean, it wasn't really inspiring a lot of confidence from the trailer to be sure. And I, I know the promotional material. Yeah, I was not looking forward to this. I was yeah. dreading this movie. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but you know, I mean, it's not, terribly shocking that it's doing well critically at least because it's steven spielberg and you know i mean even though the guy hasn't made an outright musical there is a musicality to his other films there's you know very tight uh framing choreography in a way that there is a sense of like okay yeah it's like it's a given that he should have made a musical at some point it's yeah I mean, always, the opening yeah, of temple yeah. of doom feels right. like it's about to teeter into yeah oh absolutely yeah i mean that's yeah one of the biggest examples for sure uh, and, you know, I mean, in his career, he hasn't shied away from remaking a lot of his favorite films, like A Guy Named Joe, I think he remade to Always, and then War of the Worlds, obviously, in 2005. Uh, and, and I think I saw in the list of his favorite films that West Side Story was in his, like, top 20 or so. So, Yeah, I was talking mm -hmm. about that with uh, Isaac Feldberg on uh, a Twitter space, 
we we were discussing or we were kind of like speculating was this a movie we think that spielberg kind of grew up on and i think we we kind of like i think we like fact checked it and that appears to be the case because that movie came out in 61 spielberg directed his first film duel right like in the mid 70s right before jaws sure so like 15 years beforehand i think he was like college age when he made that movie so this guy was like a kid when West Side Story came out, it yeah. totally makes sense that he it would be like a heavy influence on him as a filmmaker. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, throughout his career, like I said, he tends to uh, try to recapture that Spielberg magic for a lot of films that he loves in a way as a way of like giving that back to a new generation of movie going fans. Obviously, that's had mixed results. I haven't seen always, but I've heard it's one of his weaker films. I haven't seen um, it either. But I really do like his War of the Worlds. I don't know where you stand on that one. I I think it's even good sort of movie. underrated. Good, good big screen movie. I don't I don't think it's like people are giving it an unfair shake. Like the ones who dismiss it, I think it's worth dismissing on some levels. Oh, but really? I, hmm. yeah, yeah, I think that it's kind of um, really like one dimensional as a movie. Mm. Like it tries to have these loftier you know human condition insights that i don't think are very profound i just i find a lot of like what happens in the second half of the movie very forgettable whereas like the first the first half of war of the worlds i think is like really thrilling and really absolutely tight filmmakings incredible set pieces Mm -hmm. and all that but as i read the book and i think the book has a much better interpretation or the way that it executes the one of probably the most important scene in the book in the movie involving the person who's kind of at their last rope that he encounters um I, I just don't think the movie really got that in a very fulfilling way at least for me yeah i mean it's been a while since i've seen it in full but i i would agree that the first half is uh, stronger than the second i i think it's hard to top that opening action sequence just in terms of i, I mean that, i imagine that was the main reason why spielberg wanted to remake it, especially coming off of um the tragedy of 9-11 but uh and when he saw tom cruise run for the first time sure. he was like by God, this yeah. is it. I mean, that's like one of the pinnacle Tom Cruise running movies, right? Outside of the yeah, Mission Impossible like, movies. Yeah. 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 I think Mission Impossible 3 was around this time, too. That was like, what, 2006. So War of the Worlds was right before that. Right. And I just remember like both of those movies back to back were mm-hmm. they, they featured Tom Cruise sprinting in his very Tom Cruise way quite yeah. prominently. If he wasn't jumping on couches, he was just sprinting on the big screen. That's basically what he was doing in yep. the 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> What a time for him to be alive. Um, but no, like like I said before, like I kind of avoid rewatching West Side Story for that reason, because the older I get, the more and more that I just can't get over my issues with it. And it's really frustrating. And it always puts me in a bad mood because like there's so many things about the musical in general that I love, sure. like the music in West Side Story, where can uh, I where I can absolutely agree with you is that it's easily one of the all-time greatest musical like compositions and albums Mm. of all time absolutely like it's in the top two or three Mm -hmm. easily yes and that's why it bums me out because i watch this movie and this kind of translates to the modern remake as well when i watch it it's just like i want it to leave me in a better place when it ends and we should probably preface with this like it's a very old musical there. I think we are going to hint at some things that happen in the musical where we're not going to be super precious about well, uh, reveals or anything like we won't say like big spoilers, but you know, let's let's put it this way. The musical was basically a not very loose readaptation of 
Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. So absolutely, <laughs> you can kind of if you know Romeo and Juliet, you kind of know the story of West Side Story. It's not exactly like we're not giving course, anything yeah, but, really specific away there. Right. It's not slavish to Romeo and Juliet to the right. point where even just saying that is like, well, now I know exactly what. No, no, no. Yeah, I mean, it's not, you know, beat for beat. But generally speaking, I, I think if you know the general story of uh, Romeo and Juliet, you'll have a rough idea where West Side Story goes. And it's probably good to know that going into this movie, that it, it's based on a Shakespearean tragedy. It's... It's deceiving because you go into this movie and you see the you see the lights, you hear the pop and and the the, the dancing and, and everything's hitting you and you're just like, this is the feel-good movie of the year. Like well, I just watched Belfast, I fell in love, and now I get to watch West Side Story, you know. But then you watch this movie and like it has that. But sure. then it's just sort of like, but what if everything dies and everybody loses everything and nothing matters? Okay, well. Yeah, I mean, I, I I take West Side Story as more bittersweet, I guess, but there is certainly a lot of melancholy to be is it seen and felt. I just think it's bitter, but oh well, uh, that's that's a conversation for a more spoilery yeah discussion, yeah. I guess. Yes, when you yeah, actually, now I think about it, it is a pretty sad tale overall. <laughs> well, let's let's get into the the remake. I think we've made it pretty clear how we feel about the original. And sure. it, it, I, I, I don't want to make it sound like I don't like the original. I hope I've been clear about that. I think no, the original is... Uh, yeah, I mean, I just, so I just have, I just have stronger, I guess, uh, feelings for it. But it, it's not a film like... I fully recognize a lot of the complaints and criticisms of it, and I don't dismiss them. I just, I just really fall in love with it every time I watch it. For sure. For sure. I, I can definitely tell. Okay, so... The new West Side Story, as we've already mentioned, it's directed by Steven Spielberg, who is at a very interesting point of his career right now. He hasn't really made like a big budget movie since Ready Player One. Uh, that was like 2018. So it's been three years. He's done smaller things. And that's really been the beat of his career in sort of the the second decade of the 2000s. Yep. Is like he kind of just he makes smaller movies most of the time. And then every once in a while, he comes in with like a big set piece movie. Yeah. And West Side Story is that movie right now. And I, I think like just right off the bat, it's easily his best film in quite a while, uh, in my opinion. But what is it? It is written by Tony Kushner. Mm -hmm. And I, I actually didn't know Tony Kushner had had adapted this oh, really? um, until. Yeah, I, did, I didn't know until like I was watching the movie and I saw him in the credits. Um, but he, oh, yeah. he's collaborated with Spielberg plenty mm -hmm. of times. Munich and uh, yeah. Lincoln, right? Yeah. And love um, Munich. Love Munich. Yeah. I think I think he's been nominated for a screenplay oscar but i don't think he won well i mean and the big thing obviously is angels in america i think he won like a angels Tony in america yeah for, Pulitzer's, uh, for that yeah yeah so this movie uh you know you kind of know the, the gist we mentioned romeo and juliet we have new york city and in the 1950s because one thing we actually forgot to mention this this is an technically an adaptation of not it's not really i guess a remake of the movie more than it is a new adaptation of the broadway stage musical which mm -hmm. came out in i believe 1957 and that original musical it's uh leonard bernstein did the music uh, i forget who did the book but uh stephen sondheim did the lyrics mm -hmm. and uh you know stephen sondheim recently passed away yep. and i think i think most side story was like his big break i mean i think that was like a kind of a big turning point in his career yes. like one of the first points of his career mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the, yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least like, I think solo wise, it was probably Sunday in the park with George was like, his like 
this is Steven Sondheim, like know the name, but like, I think, yeah, in terms of like his creds, I think West Side Story was the one that was like announcing him as a Broadway sensation. Yeah. I'm not like a super big expert on his uh, entire like career. So I don't remember if there was anything before this that he had done lyrics or music for uh, possibly, but I, I want to say that this was like the first thing, if not the first big thing. But while that film, the original there, I should just say, while that original film from 1961 starred a lot of people who, you know, we can just say like it didn't have the strongest performances by and large. But I think like the person who really came out of that film, like with, you know, the Oscar win with really just like a big career boost was Rita Moreno. And, you know, we kind of mentioned her earlier, too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think she was like the only Puerto Rican in the entire movie, and she was uh, in Brown Face. Yeah, at, at least the only lead uh, yes. Puerto Rican, I think. Yeah, there might have been background, but when I watched that movie, like I don't know, I, I've never noticed anybody who I've been. I, they all just kind of look like I they're just, in Brown Face, but I just didn't want to assume. Sure. I just, yeah, I, sure. I'm just saying that to cover my bases. Yeah, well, it's kind of like that in this movie. There, so in this movie. We have uh, on the shark side of things, and I guess I haven't really said the plot synopsis. The plot synopsis is pretty simple. We are in the west side of New York City, 1961, or I guess this is 1957, and we have these rival gangs. And on the one side, we have the Jets, who are made up of these white uh, children, uh, some of them orphans of like junkies. Some of them are kids of European immigrants. So this, this isn't long after like Ellis Island. They are, I think, like a mix of like Irish and Italian, Mm -hmm. and they are trying to reclaim some territory that has been, you know, really brought into by the Puerto Ricans who have come from the island. This is based on real events. Uh, Puerto Ricans came to New York in in big numbers in the 1950s, and uh, there's a lot of history behind that. There's a lot of history behind why Puerto Ricans left the island, mainly the economy and uh, there were a lot of issues with like, I think the Puerto Rican government at the time, um, and still is very, very corrupt and, and lots of issues there. So a lot of Puerto Ricans were moving to the United States, a lot of them to New York City, uh, really to sort of, because it was easier, uh, I think, because there weren't really immigrants. Like, you know, you're Puerto Rican, even if you're born in Puerto Rico, you're a U.S. citizen because Puerto Rico is uh, an incorporated territory. It's kind of like the last colony in a lot of ways. Uh, people call it like a territory and I, I guess you can call it that for sure. But the gist of it is, it's like, if you're Puerto Rican, you're, you're American, but this, this whole musical is really about like Puerto Ricans who kind of are at war with themselves too, not just with the jets who are trying to take their territory and mess up their neighborhoods. They're also trying to sort of say that like, Hey, you're, you're not really American. You're not American enough. And then, you know, there's Puerto Ricans within the group who are sort of like, well, I don't care. I'm not, I don't want to be Puerto Rican or I don't want to be American. I want to be Puerto Rican. So a lot of that going on here. So that that's kind of the, the setting of the stage, but throughout all the turmoil that these rival gangs are having, we have two leads. We have Ansel Elgort as one of the, the co-founder of the jets, but he, he left them behind. He was like, I don't, I don't need these guys anymore. He went, he, we find out he actually went through some stuff and kind of, you know, turned his life around, you know, got a job. Right. Just like in the original, but with even more of like a traumatic sort of inciting thing for why he's changing his ways. And he kind of comes across somebody who might, might change things for him, might kind of teach him, hey, maybe I, maybe there's something out there for me. Love, perhaps. Very possible. Sure. And he sees that and probably 
probably not the most convenient person to fall in love with at first sight, and that is Maria, who's played here by Rachel Zegler. And Maria is, of course, Puerto Rican. She is the younger sister of the leader of the Sharks, who is uh, Bernardo, played by David Alvarez. And she's also, and also his girlfriend, his lover, uh, here is Anita, played by Ariana DeBose. So kind of filling in the Rita Moreno role. Rita Moreno plays Ansel Gordo Tony's boss at the drugstore, kind of doing something a bit different. Like, if you remember in the original, there was Doc, but not anymore. Yeah. Doc is out of the picture. I guess they kind of say he, like, passed away. Yeah, but... I think they did. And this is his wife, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So his wife, I think uh, Valentina, I want to say, or am I getting Sopranos mixed up in that? I think it's Valentina. Mm. But um, she is uh, his 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 widow, and she runs the drugstore now. And I guess, I guess that's one of the first things we can mention. I mean, this is a musical that really changes things around. You know, it's certainly evoking the Robbins choreography, but it's kind of doing something different with it. Yeah. It is adding a lot more setting or a variety of setting to all the different musical numbers and set pieces. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of shuffling things around. Um, I want to turn it to you, but I'm going to just start it off and say, I think most of the changes they made, I actually think are for the better, starting with the fact that they casted or they cast mostly Latina actors mm-hmm. for these roles. I mean, not all of them are Puerto Rican. Very few of them. I think uh, Ariana DeBose is the only Puerto Rican in the, the main cast. Um, but you can kind of tell like, you know, there's Cuba, there are Cuban folks. I think Rachel Zegler is Colombian and you know, it's a little bit of a bummer. I want to, I, I think it'd be cool to see other Puerto Rican. I never get to sure. see Puerto Ricans in movies, but it's okay. I won't complain too badly. It's fine. I can deal with it. I mean, it's but, uh, yeah. certainly a step up from brown face to be sure. Completely. Yeah. Completely. But yeah. West Side Story. Will Ashton. I want to know what, you know, you were a big fan of the original. So, yeah. and I have no idea what you think about this movie. So just lay it on us. Yeah. And to be clear, I mean, I've never seen the stage production. I've only seen the original film. So I don't, don't want to act like I'm an expert on the original stage show. Uh, or even on the career of Steven Sondheim, I uh, misspoke earlier. Sunday in the Park with George was much later in his career than I initially realized. So before the commoners get thought. upset. Yeah, I don't but want to get the commoners upset. Yeah, that was, I was the 80s. Get 70s. I, okay. For some reason, I thought that was like 60s or 70s. But my musical theory knowledge is very limited. Let me to be, yeah, let we me are be not perfectly experts, yeah. clear. Um, <laughs> yep, yeah. Yep. But as far as this film, uh, to answer your question, um, I think Tony Kushner's... Uh, adaptation of the book for the film is uh the book being like the musical book um i i think the there are more ideas than he can fully play with but i think a lot of those ideas are really interesting and worthwhile for instance as you're alluding to the uh opening of the film plays a lot more with gentrification as far as new york city in the original film like there's a very kind of pristine look to the settings. Like it does look like they're on a set. And this obviously is also a set as well, but you see the crumbling of the, you know, apartment buildings making way for Lincoln center, uh, which was, which must've been really awkward for the premiere, which is at Lincoln center. <laughs> but I, I heard there. about that. I know yeah. a few folks who were at that premiere and they've, they've reflected on like yeah. the awkward sort of, there were people who apparently were cheering, Oh, really? When they saw the sign and other people were like, why are you cheering? <laughs> this yeah. is so uncomfortable. I That premiere must have been weird, right? Like, I wasn't there, but like, the movie... I have to imagine. Delayed for years. It's like, finally, the movie is here, but Steven Zondheim just died. So this is kind of a bittersweet thing. But our lead actor has been accused of a lot of heinous things. So it's kind of weird 
not gonna lie anyway here's a movie and then the lincoln center thing comes and sits it's like all right i'm glad i didn't have yeah. to be behind that podium let's just right. say that yeah but um anyway uh yeah i mean i also uh change around a lot of the songs some of the changes i thought were really interesting for instance cool yeah here gets yeah. a little bit more dramatic urgency than it had in the uh original film i agree uh, i've argued with some people about this they've some people hate that change and i'm just like no it's a that really cool good rethinking of it. No pun intended. It was cool. Yeah, no pun intended. I thought that was a pretty cool uh, change. I thought that was very Spielbergian. Uh, like the staging of that, the way everything about that was like, this feels pure Spielberg in terms of uh, yeah. doing a lot, showing a lot without saying a lot. Um, I thought that was really effective. Some of the changes I wasn't crazy about, for instance, I thought the decision to add pretty until much later in the film was yeah. weird. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. I Because my thinking during this movie was like, did they take this song out? And if they do that, how do I... Well, how do I function? Because like it's right. my favorite song from the entire it's musical. The, it's supposed to open up after yeah. the in, after the intermission. It's so important. Right. But they, they skipped it. And I I was like, what? And then the rumble happens. And I'm like, well, well, then it can't happen because they can't just do. Does I feel she pretty feel after pretty? The does she feel pretty and witty? No, um, she does. And they change. They that's the thing too, because now it takes place at night. Yeah. So in that case, they have to change the lyrics because in a lot of ways they don't change that much because clearly they don't want to mess with the lyrics too much, which I think makes a lot of sense. I mean, they change but gay to bright, not right? I think that's they changed like, gay to bright. Yeah. Because she she pities any girl who isn't her tonight instead of today. But here here's the thing, Will Ashen. Why did they do that? They didn't have to, but I think what they're, I mean, my, the only thing I can think of for why they would do that is because they're like, man, what a depressing part of the movie that was. People are going to be such in bad moods. Hey, well, yeah, well, hold on. Mm -hmm. We could put, I feel pretty in the middle and break up the momentum of the third act and just completely ruin the entire like mood and atmosphere that we set up and people are like, yeah, yeah, we should do that. And we, we can right. also just, you know, purposefully like mess with maria and like put her in this heinous situation where she's super happy and everybody watching her is being like oh girl you do not know yeah i just thought it struck me as like they didn't really have any narrative reason to include it based on what they changed around but they're like this is like the second most famous song in the film or the musical uh it's like we can't get rid of it like people are expecting it people are gonna riot if they don't hear i feel pretty and witty you know so it's like i rioted sure uh, why take it out right there was no re i mean i'm just i'm remembering back to the movie and it's like you could have just like the thing that they replace it with i guess is because if because when in the original i remember you, it, she's in the shop and she's just like i feel pretty because like i want to get laid to this guy sure cool and she's hanging out with her with her girls and then right after that, Tony shows up. And then that's when you get into like the, you know, one night, one whatever song. Mm -hmm. They do that, but it's sort of like they just sort of like unceremoniously are like on the subway in this movie. And I'm just like, well, why are you cutting off the coolness of this whole like there's magic to that? Scene. Right. I don't know. It's just like it's like a very small portion of this movie. Mm -hmm. So like it's kind of amazing that it's so good that I don't like enough of it. Yeah, that I like that it doesn't ruin the movie for me that they right. botched. I feel pretty. I mean, to be clear, I wasn't expecting to spend this much time on this, but um, I, I kind of was. I oh, was, really? You were I wrote this? in my notes. I oh. feel pretty. All caps. Don't let Will make oh, me man. skip this. But no, I mean, I guess what I was trying to say before was just that I think 
most of the changes are for the better. I also think a lot of the ideas that they introduce here are very interesting, or at least well incorporated. Uh, I don't think everything works in terms of what, what they change around, but maybe that's just me being precious with the original film and being like, this works really well in the original, so why change it? But at the same time, I think it justifies its existence, and I certainly think even if I don't love every creative decision that they make, I at least understand the logic behind it. And I think emotionally it works. And that's really where I stand on because with the original film story-wise, there's a lot of things I just don't think make sense or add up, but it's like emotionally I'm well through it throughout. Like I am fully invested in the characters. I don't feel as strongly about it with this film, but I think there's just so much to appreciate in terms of Spielberg, obviously being inspired, having this grand campus, obviously feeling invigorated with the musical genre that, even if I don't love everything that's doing, I just really appreciate what it's pulling off and just seeing it on the big screen too. It just fills the screen in a way that I feel like a lot of movies recently have not. And so for that, I'm definitely very grateful. Yeah. I mean, the spectacle in this movie is undeniable. It, it's just like so beautifully done, like watching these musical numbers and just sort of how they, they twist certain things. They make certain things like just ev feel even more alive. Like I was really, really enjoying the rendition of G Officer Krupke, for example, where in the original, you really just have those guys doing that, like right outside the, the drugstore. It's like on sure. the curb. And, you know, it's still a great song, but it's not as like interesting a place. But in this movie, when they do it in the police station and, you know, they even added like a little bit more of like characterization to a certain character. Right. In order to sort of set off what happens in that scene. I still think that like. My main thing with this this whole movie is that the really good stuff is really good, mm -hmm. but then, you know, the really good stuff that they inherit from the original, but then the really bad stuff they also inherit from the original. The things that I just do not like that suspend disbelief for sure. me, and that comes in two forms. The first thing being, and I don't think that I'm saying anything controversial here, where I just think Ansel Elgort horrifically miscast. I, I think that this yeah. guy is too old. For I agree with that. this like part and it would work if Rachel Zegler did not look as young as she of course well, is there's she's, a 10 year age difference yeah. almost between them yeah, I, but say, I think it's like six years or something well she's an actual teenager right like she's she like, was around 18 when yeah. they filmed it and he's right? like I'm I guessing think. like 25 or 26 I'm guessing around this Ansel Gord is 26 right now okay 26 so I think right he now was, okay yeah I think he's like six or seven years older than her yeah and you can just tell he's way taller to sure. the point where like in this movie it's hard to ignore like he's constantly at like an angle or he's like slouching or doing mm -hmm. something it's just like you need to sell the romance because it is a very important right. romance. Yeah. And I think like the original, it's not that the original is that great about it either because There's, Natalie Wood is super yeah. awkward in that movie because she's being dubbed the whole time. Sure. You're going to say, no, I just, I agree that like, I don't think the original leads have like enormous chemistry, but I just, I buy that romance a lot more than I buy this one, even though I don't like, I I'm willing to spend my disbelief and, into the romance but i feel it's a lot more natural for me with the original i think it works in the original because even though they don't have a ton of chemistry i think that they're both being very dreamy throughout the whole thing they're they're sort of like they're so different from all the other characters their their heads are in the clouds so even though i never really bought that they loved each other that much i always felt like well they're very similar to each other in the way that like i don't know like especially uh richard beamer i think was the the actor who played tony mm -hmm. he's so he, there's something about him that's very off and that sort of helps it's, he's so he's such a like 
generic leading man in a lot of senses, but like um, he's also just very like uh you know like glitter is like popping out of his body and he's just larger than life in a lot of ways even though i think he kind of is i don't know he's only at like one level the for most of the movie sure i think for me this film i get like i think they want ansel elgort because tony in this version has a little bit more of an edge not that ansel elgort has like a ton of edge to him but he you know he seems a little bit more aggressive than the tony in the original musical like in this he's one he's more of a bad boy he's got a pass yeah i mean yeah he he spent some time in sing sing like he has a criminal record like he's trying to be on the straight and narrow uh whereas the original is just kind of just like golly gee you know i'm just kind of like i'm just trying to you know be good to the you know good the to Jets? the neighborhood who yeah. needs some right yeah i got exactly. a job you right, know, exactly, it's just yeah. there's not a lot of motivation behind it. Sure. And that, that's one of the great things that this movie does. It adds more depth. You know, I think that there are some really good scenes between him and Riff. Riff is played by Mike Faced, who is my second favorite person in this entire movie. Yeah. Um, little uh, he's, he's John unbelievably Mulaney. good. Uh, Say again? Look, he looks a lot like John Mulaney. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't thinking about that. I know he played uh, he played Connor in the Dear Evan Hansen uh, musical. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think he won a Tony for it. Yeah. Or nominated either either or. I agree that he's quite good, and I like that he's kind of like a little bit nervier than the original um, iterations of the character. Um, I just feel like, yeah, it just feels like he's like kind of like you're saying before. He's like kind of more of like a kid. Like it makes the tragedy of his character uh, punctuate a little bit yeah. more because he seems like he's like actually, you know, like you know, he's you know, he's cool, he's hip, but there's also like kind of like a you know, genuine scrawniness to him. Like he's not all put together in every single way. He's still you know, rough and tumble in a lot of ways. And I like that about this iteration. There's a, there's a much needed charisma that he brings whenever he's talking in this movie, whenever he's sort of like confronting somebody, my, my eyes are glued and I can't say the same thing for Ansel Elgort. Uh, I don't think he's, I don't think Elgort's even that bad in this movie. I think the issue is that everybody else is too good. And it just right. sort of, whenever he is interacting with other characters, I think his best scenes are with Mike Faced, I think because their energies complement each other kind of well, because he's more aloof, he's more stoic, and Mike Faced is a little bit more of like, Tony, we got this going on, and you don't understand mm -hmm. Daddy-O. And he's just sort of like, Riff, I don't think that, you know, like there is like a sort of, yeah. there's a Cobb and Cooper, you know, sure. kind of. <laughs> I'm sure that was the direction <laughs> that Spielberg gave him on set. Um, I thought yeah. Al Gore was also generally pretty good with uh rita moreno um not yeah like, yeah, I thought, yeah i thought they had decent chemistry together they had more than he does with zegler and that's the sure. thing i think that zegler when when it's zegler and debose and alvarez when they're kind of hanging out there's there's more depth to that character of her feeling like her older brother treats her like a kid you know their parents i don't think their parents are dead but they're you know they're not in the picture for whatever reason and they're just kind of living together and like scraping by and you know it the issue is that like when you bring the romance in, the romance causes all of these problems and you really got to sell that the romance is worth the risk. That just does not happen in this movie. When you have Tony singing Maria, Maria, and when you have him like climbing and being like tonight, it just, I could, I couldn't do it. I, I couldn't, I just didn't buy it. Yeah. I but mean, yeah, I didn't hate it because the music's so good that I'm like, well, I do like the song. Well, it's also that, and it's, I think, uh, the lead performance here from Rachel Zeigler, who is just, I think, as good as people have been saying she is, you know, obviously a first-time performer, just really brings that naivety. YouTuber. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. Yeah. Um, 
I, but this is like her first major film, right? Or maybe even her and first she's gonna, film. It is. Yeah. And she's going to be doing the uh, live action, Disney live action remake of Snow White next. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's like, you know, a genuine naivete and sweetness and raw vulnerability to this character and how she portrays it that it, I think is really emotionally rewarding. And I think that especially towards the end when we get her final few moments, uh, Maria's five few final few moments uh i think that really hits home the uh emotional sincerity of the film and i think that's probably the main reason why ultimately i think this movie works as well as it does i think i agree with you one of one of my favorite performance here though by far is ariana debose uh similar to mike face whenever she's on screen whenever she is just acting she's making magic uh she gets of course the america showpiece and America, my second favorite song in this entire musical, because yeah. it is amazing. And yep. it, it's probably the best remix in terms of lyrics for this show, uh, for this movie, because they take certain things out of the original song that I always found a little bit icky, sure. you know, like this sort of attitude of like, not that it was anti-Puerto Rican, but it was just kind of, I don't know, it was just something I never really resonated with in terms of like, the drama between Puerto Ricans who leave the island and Puerto Ricans who stay. And I think this version of the song kind of like it's, it's subtle. It's not, it's not like major changes all the way around, but it's, it's, it's definitely my favorite number in terms of like everything they do with it, the bombastic quality to it and how many side dancers they have, what they do with like the entire street. I mean, it, it's so hard to not smile during that entire sequence. It's so wonderful. And you know, that kind of speaks to, I think, what really works about this musical. One of the reasons that I think that despite all the problems I have with it, I come out of it kind of recommending it and saying that it's really like living up to the legacy of the original is because these music numbers and set pieces are really like they each have something different to offer. It's not just the same thing over and over again. Like every single one is different and interesting in its own unique way. So when you watch the movie, it's just like you're going from excellent and, you know, emotionally gripping set piece to another. Um, I don't know if you would agree with that. I, I don't think there was a weak set piece in the bunch unless I'm forgetting one. No, in terms of set pieces, I think uh, everything here is really strong. Yeah, in terms of music, there there is there are scenes for sure where I'm just like, in fact, you know what? There is one involving mm. music, and I do think it is when they're in the church when they're doing the one song one night thing. Oh, really? Okay. I I I thought it was terrible. Hmm. Why is I that? was just like, move on. I I just, it was awkward. It was weird. The dialogue. I, there was just something really off about. It. I think the well, thing is that like it's hard for me in this case to separate the art from the artist because we know that Ansel Elgort's this guy who has been accused of assaulting a minor, right? Um, sexually assaulting a minor. Yeah. And it's just really weird seeing him like have this sort of like overnight romance with somebody who looks a decade younger than him. And like, yeah. I guess it's not going to be an issue for everybody, but for me, like I just, I couldn't get it out of my head. Sure. No, I, I, uh, I had a similar problem with that. I, I don't think that scene bothered me as much as it bothered you, but I agree that in the original, there's something about, you know, like they have the mannequins and it's a little bit more playful. And then it leads to the kind of more dramatic, uh, Right, uh, epiphany of that moment and this one it's a little it's bit so much plainer. better in my opinion yeah it, this one it just it's a little less inspired i think compared to both the original film and also the other set pieces in the film 
Um, but there is something about stripped down quality that I think is uh, affecting. So I ultimately like the scene, but I can get your complaints. I mean, I'll just say one. I mean, the, you you kind of touched on it, so I do want to say like the that whole scene is so sneaky important to the romance the scene you're talking about where they're playing with the mannequins because it's like the only time where these characters are just sort of hanging out and having a good time and having yeah, fun and it's not young. like yeah. yeah it's not melodramatic and they're not like dwelling too much on like the whole like we can't be together mm-hmm. instead they're like having fun together and that's what makes the movie all the more tragic like and the yeah. original i mean and this one it's like Every conversation they have is a bummer. Every single, like, what what moments do they really have together that really, like, when they're on the subway, I was waiting for that. I was like, okay, they're on a subway. Like, are they going to have fun? Are they going to people watch? Are they going to goof? They don't do it. They don't joke around. They, they don't even seem to like to be around each other. They're scowling the whole time. And I'm like, well, why are we doing this? And I don't know. I just, I, I was very frustrated. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess for me, my bigger issue is just that I was hoping with the remake that we get more of Maria's inner life. And I felt like the movie wasn't uh, diving into that as much as I think I was hoping it would. Agreed, I, I, yeah. I felt like her character is still kind of shallow in this version, unfortunately, even though I think Rachel Zeigler does a lot with the character to, to bring out that, that inner life to Maria. I just felt it's still, a for, unfortunately, a fairly underwritten character. And I, I was hoping the remake would actually spend more time doing more to make her than more than just like a kind of doe-eyed you know young naivety who's just trying to like find uh peace and all that with her newfound love and all that but yeah i just that, that was one of the more bigger disappointments for me with this film the writing was there for tony though that's the weird thing because like right it, it it does it better than in the original in the sense of like, why does Tony want love? Well, in this movie, they do a better job of explaining it. It's like he wants a shot at redemption. He wants to be loved because he feels like he's not worth loving. And there there is like a very American emotionally, dream. it's an emotionally important conflict for him. Yeah, it's an American dream thing where he's like second, you know, a second chapter, a new uh, legacy for him. And yeah, that's what makes the, the narrative all the more tragic. And I. Yeah, yeah, I get it. For, for Maria, it is, like you're saying, a bit more shallow. It's a little bit more one-dimensional in the sense of, like, she feels like she's being treated like a kid by Bernardo, and she's just sort of like, uh, she wants love because, to me, it comes across like she wants to grow up a little bit too fast, which can be the start to a very surprising and, you know, interesting hook for the character. But, yeah, it just doesn't really go anywhere beyond that. And it, that is partly worsened by the fact that i feel pretty comes so late in the film that is a scene that really shows us who is this person how does she tick how does she interact with other people besides her brother and anita we just don't really get that until like all of a sudden we find out oh yeah she has a cleaning job and then all these characters we don't know are hanging out with her and it's sort of like well yeah yeah. also that scene i feel like in this one kind of breaks away from the tension that's being built in the scene before and after so Absolutely. yeah it cuts off the momentum right exactly yeah so it's just i don't know it's just a weird placement for that song in this movie I, i'm sorry we keep harping on that but it's it's, <laughs> it's a, true though because yeah. like, it's, it's, it's annoying because like the scene itself is great 
Like I like what they do. It's more interesting than, than like what they do with like the clothes and everything in the other one. Sure. I mean, it's not a lot more interesting, right. but it's just doing something different, but not doing it different for the sake of being right. different, doing it in a way that is even more imaginative and it's really fun. capturing the soul of the original. Yeah, it's fun. I think both versions yeah. are fun. Uh, I, I guess I was less taken by it than you were, but I think it's a pretty good scene overall. But yeah, I just okay. the placement of it, I think, is where I take more issue with it. I feel bad because I feel like I've been complaining a lot. And I was going to say, I, I like this movie. I like this movie a lot. Yeah, I like <laughs> it a weird. good bit. Um, I don't but love it, it, but I really uh, do like it. I really like it too. I I'm cl- I love it in some ways. I, I love some of the things it does. There There is a, a version of La Borinquena that they do in this. And for people who don't know that, you know, this is something that I didn't know too much about. I actually talked about it with my mother because... We were, you know, we were talking about this movie. She hasn't seen it yet, but I was like, oh yeah, like they, the Puerto Rican anthem, they do a version of it in the movie. And she was like, oh, well, well tell me what the lyrics are. Because like, she was telling me that like my siblings, they were born on the island. I wasn't, I was born not long after my parents left the island and moved to the States. And in Puerto Rico, like when my siblings were growing up in school, like they had to like learn the Puerto Rican anthem and it's La Borinquena, like a version of it. But what they sing in the in this movie, like what the sharks are singing acapella, which gave me chills because I haven't heard La Borinquena in so long, but this is a version of that anthem that is actually like, uh, I don't want to say it's illegal to sing that song in Puerto Rico um, because I'm not, no, I haven't been in Puerto Rico in a while and I I don't know the specifics of like what happens, but it's it's one of those things that you're not allowed to do. Like people just don't do it. It is a very specific and um, polarizing and controversial song when done that way and they do it in this movie and there are some touches like that where i'm just like ah, it's so nice to see like puerto rican culture in a movie it was a thing in, in the heights that we didn't really get much of and i didn't complain because we got so much of other stuff and it really you know i think in the heights was more about how it's more of like the the melting of all these cultures together that it that does feel a little bit more true to life this idea of like just a puerto rican only sort of barrio in new york i don't know how true that was at the time i guess it was pretty i I really don't know um i don't know if it was like always kind of like that in terms of like it being very siloed but even just the act of like seeing the puerto rican flag everywhere it's like puerto ricans like we feel invisible most of the time we feel like people just don't acknowledge we exist and you know this movie even has stuff in it with rita moreno where she's talking about how you know she's a lighter skin puerto rican like i can relate like if i if i haven't been if it's not the summer and I haven't been tanning. Like I, I don't, I look like, uh, I, I look pretty white and it, it's, it's fine, but it's, it's one of those things where like other Puerto Ricans, like even in my own family, like my siblings have darker skin than me. Um, you know, the ones that were born on the Island and like, there's always been this sort of like, you know, John, you're adopted. You know what I mean? Like, you know, playful, like teasing and stuff like that, because, you know, there, there are lighter skinned Puerto Ricans or darker skinned Puerto Ricans who get mistreated and, you know, certainly don't get like the same privileges that I do. And it's all just messed up. And the fact that the movie touches on it is really cool. It doesn't do a ton. Like, it's not like this movie's about something in a very deep way. Like, I don't think this is a movie people are going to watch and be like, wow, you know, but I do think it's a movie that people are going to watch and they're going to be like, yeah, Puerto Rico's cool. I'm going to, I'm going to learn more about Puerto Rico. I wish people would. There are so many things people don't understand about our island and about our like quasi country and just like the the influences and the stuff that like you know the history of it is is fascinating and the problems that puerto ricans on the island are dealing with today are just 
immense and it's it's constant like depression and economic issues and you know the the federal government screwing uh those people over all the time and it's it's unbelievable and so yeah even small gestures like this i i really take a lot of um and not enjoyment but appreciation and admiration that they really put in an effort I don't think it's perfect, and I think there's a lot of Puerto Rican representation issues I have in this movie. Uh, I would actually recommend Kristen Maldonado and uh, Film Poser, or Josie from Film Poser, who did a wonderful video about this on YouTube, just kind of diving into really like the nitty gritty of like some of the things the movie does that isn't like super great about Puerto Rican representation, which I certainly am like, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Especially if like you're a New York Puerto Rican, which I'm not. Um, that's worth seeking out. But for me, on like the very basic level, I think this thing, you know, it it warmed my heart. I guess I should say. Sorry about the long rant about Puerto Rican stuff. No, that's good. Good stuff. I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't have a lot more to say about the film. I think it's a worthwhile remake. I think its biggest problem is that it just has to compete with what I think is one of the best movie musicals ever made. But at the same time, I think it does a lot of good stuff and a lot of things that I am happy to see on the big screen again. And, you know, I, I don't know if it's going to be the one only movie musical from Steven Spielberg, but it just feels very natural for him to be in this genre. And I hope he makes another film within it if he can. Uh, I'm actually really interested in his next film. I don't know if it has the title yet, but it's going to be a semi-autobiographical film about his father, I think, who gets the uh, tribute in this film or for whatever you call it, the, um, you know, dedication? it's dedication. Yeah. The dedication at the end. And I think Seth Rogen's playing his father in that film, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so I don't know. That to me is very interesting. And like you said, it's, it's a lot smaller. It's a little bit more character focused. And I also think that the sentimentality that he incorporates in a lot of his recent films feels a lot more natural and earnest, I think, in this film, as opposed to, you know, a film I already like, but a film that I don't reflect on as much, like The Post. Uh, I think, you know, that that sentimentality kind of gets a little mawkish, and I don't think that's the case here. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I I feel like we're downplaying how much we like it, but there's a lot of stuff in it that's worth criticizing, and I think, you know, it's fair, and I think that stuff is frustrating because it's like, if it just if these things were better, this would probably be an outright great film, in my opinion. I think it's it would probably close. would be one of my yeah. favorites of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's close to it though. I I really do enjoy this film quite a lot. I'm really glad I saw it in theaters. I saw it in Dolby, and I think you know seeing the American musical number in Dolby was just you know one of my highlights for the year in terms of being yeah. at the movie theater. Uh, I think yeah. I don't know how you saw the film, but that Goosebumps. was yeah throughout yeah. the entire thing. Yeah, yeah I mean, chills yeah. all of that. Right. And yeah, that's why it's depressing that it's not doing that well in theaters. At the same time, I can understand why people don't feel comfortable going to the movies. But it's like, if you're going to see sure. this thing, you should see it in theaters. I mean, if you can, it's going to be probably on its way out, given everything that's coming in the theaters pretty soon. But if you can right. see it in theaters, please do so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've seen I've seen some people like if you're I've seen some people critics be like, I guess it's competently made. I'm just like, are you kidding me? You guess it's I mean, fine in terms of how it's made. Like it is. I mean, the, like they pulled something off like really incredible here. And I, I yeah. think some people are downplaying it and it's like annoying to me. <laughs> like, I mean, let, let's not pretend like this isn't really good filmmaking, despite right. what you might think of like other aspects. I mean, we haven't even talked about the cinematography in this film, which is just outstanding. I mean, it's uh, I mean, it's hard it? to describe. Hard to describe? 
Yeah, it's hard to describe. Like for me, it is. Like we can we can mention things of like some of the signature Spielberg touches, but like there are things that happen in this movie that like yes, I'm like that's a very Spielberg thing. Person's walking into the close up and all that, you know, foreground background playing around. But like there are some things that this movie does with like angles and camera movement where I was just like, how did he do that? I mean, and why does it work so well? There's a shot in this movie that's just a guy standing in the puddle, and it's one of the most beautiful things I've seen on the big screen in, in the it's past amazing. few years. I yeah. was just like. Yeah. You don't even have to do that. It doesn't, it, but it's so wonderful. Like it just, it just makes you feel good to see that. And it's not even important really, right. but it's great. But yeah, but it's uh, Spielberg's regular cinematographer. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to pronounce his name right. Janex Kamaski. Uh, it's Polish, but I don't quite know if I'm pronouncing it right. But I, I pronounce it Janusz Kaminski. Janusz, I, I'm sure it's I way closer to whatever I said, but um. We'll, yeah, the guy we'll did, find like, out someday. <laughs> yeah, the guy won like an Oscar for like Saving Private Ryan. I think he also shot like Schindler's List and a few other Spielberg movies, you know, very famous films. Uh, you know, I don't I mean, he's done such great work throughout his career. I'm not going to say this is like his best work or anything, but, it's, you know, it's his best work is probably Schindler's List, in my opinion. Probably. Yeah. I mean, but like, yeah, he's just, you know, it's he's a legendary cinematographer for a reason. I think, you know, this movie looks gorgeous throughout. And I, I knew. Yeah, I just want to make sure I talked about that at least once. Totally agree. And I, I, sorry, I, I looked it up because, um, I wasn't sure, uh, the movie you were talking about is called the Fablemans. And, uh, like you mentioned, Seth Rogen is in it, but also Michelle Williams and Paul mm-hmm. Dano. Yeah. And Oak why not? I feel like Paul why Dano not? is, yeah, it's like, if there's a coming of age movie, he just like, like the Koi man just like kind of comes running in. It's just like, <laughs> I'm here. What do you need me to do? <laughs> it's like, Zoe doesn't know I'm here. Please don't call her. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm sure they're, they have a lovely yeah. relationship these days. Anyway, I got five um, minutes before I have to be uh, the Riddler <laughs> in Batman. Tell me what to do. <laughs> oh, I forgot he was doing that. Um, now, oh yeah, I was going to say one quick, one last thing for me. My biggest problem, because you mentioned your biggest problem with the film. My my biggest problem is that it it keeps in two things from the original that it should have either changed or just removed from the movie. And I'm gonna. This is a light spoiler warning. Oh, okay, you're talking so, about what I think you're talking about. The uh, we'll we'll see. The, so if you don't want to know what I'm about to say, yeah. uh, but you still want to do hear us play our game and everything, fast forward thirty seconds. Sure, but okay. The hanky panky. She sleeps with the man yeah. who killed her brother the night her brother dies, and like, how do people think that? Uh, just change it. Right. Just change it. It's... Why did we have to do it again? Why can't they? Well, well, oh, because Anita sings. You can't get rid of the line where it's like, he killed your brother, your lover. You, you right. could get rid of it. I mean, change it. I If I had a checklist for things, I was like, if they're going to make a remake, they're always going to change X, Y, Z. Right. On the top of that list, I'd be like, well, they're probably going to get rid of the scene where they sleep together after he kills Bernardo. It's like that. That or seems kind of weird. Or make it so he doesn't kill Bernardo, right? Well, I think he doesn't he, have to kill Bernardo. Right. I, yeah, I was thinking that too. I was like, are they just going to have it so that Bernardo is killed during the knife fight, and it's like it wasn't actually Tony that did it? And it's like, okay, that would be interesting. Or but make it's it like, ambiguous, or do yeah. something like, sure. or you know, if there had been like a, a tussle or something, and like Tony had been in the mess, but he's not sure, and it had been like, I don't think I did. You know what I right. mean? Like, instead, but, it's very deliberate. He comes right. after him anyway. I'm I'm right. past the thirty seconds. No, I Fast get you. Forward. <laughs> no, I get you. But it's like. What big change we're we gonna make? Well, we're gonna make Bernardo more sympathetic. It's like, 
Well, that's fine, but that makes the decision even more baffling because it's like it's weirder yeah. that she forgives him so quickly. It's just like whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Because he's in the original, he he's he's a bit prickly. Like you don't really like I wasn't like I was sad because I'm just like, hey, don't kill that white boy in brown face. But sure. in this movie, it's just sort of like I like him. And he's I a, like Riff, and I'm just like I don't know. You can't make me like these characters this much. Yeah, Who's and if you're a, gonna do that, I don't know. You gotta you gotta do something to, to just really earn it. But then also the other thing is, and fast forward another thirty seconds. Um, <laughs> Sorry, everybody. Rita Moreno, uh, they keep in the rape, and it's just like I mean, it's not like a rape that I think consummates, but the rape attempt. Well, yeah. yeah. They try to do this whole thing with where like, or sorry, I said Rita Moreno. I meant Anita. Um, right. I knew, Ariana what you meant. I knew what you meant. Yeah, yeah. You don't need it. And then they have Rita Moreno coming in and she's just like, don't do that. And I'm just like, what movie movie? Yeah. I mean, the only real change that they make it more explicit, I guess, which is. Yeah. yeah which uh, nobody wanted. So I don't know why we. Yeah. I don't know. It's I baffling mean, to me. I don't know. I, I don't know what position's the best for that. Like taking it out seems kind of careless, but leaving it in also seems kind of cold. I don't know. It's a weird decision to make. Yeah, I don't know. There, there are ways to. I don't know. It, it's just a bit too traumatizing for the whole. I don't know. I feel like some people would disagree, but uh, yeah, I definitely can't get. I can't abide by all of that. Uh, but okay, that's West Side Story. It is now playing in theaters. It's not doing well box office wise. It only made seventeen million dollars so far, and that's that's like not not after the opening weekend. That's that's counting the last few days. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think this is going to get some legs? I could see it going either way, honestly. Sure. I mean, well, here, here's the thing. I've been, I've been looking at the numbers. Some people have been saying, well, you know, Greatest Showman was a musical that came out in around the holidays, and it ended up being one of the leggiest movies right. of all time because that's, that, that's a movie that had yeah. like a low opening weekend as well. Right. But, but that's like it grossed yeah. a ton. That's a movie where it's like, I mean, I don't like Greatest Showman, but I can get like, there's never been a Greatest Showman before. There's never been a movie, a musical, what have you, with that those songs in it and that, you know, story or whatever. So yeah, it's there's like, something yeah. more new and original about right. it. Whereas West Side Story, I just don't think has that same lasting power. Right. I think that its only chance is the Oscar buzz, which it, it has. I mean, it got nominated a bunch for some CCA things. Mm -hmm. And I think Hollywood critics gave it some love. And yeah, I mean, I th the reviews have been positive we'll play our game in a moment sure but yeah i don't know i, I don't know if audiences care they don't right. care about musicals in general right now well, the most popular musicals of the last few years have all been original musicals mm -hmm. like la la land and yeah and this one like not really movies or sorry greatest showman not really like remakes not really like adaptations like tick tick boom you know went straight to netflix so that doesn't mm -hmm. really count but yeah in the heights did not make a lot of money and yeah, I mean, Dear I mean, Evan Hansen, like, people right. forget that even came out this year. I mean, that big box office draw of Annette, for sure, you know. Uh, hey, we can I, say that one punched above its weight. Sure, I really like Annette, but fine. Um, yes, uh, yeah, but I think that was the biggest fault of the advertising, I think, because they were going into it being like, hey, remember this great musical? See it again, you know, remember these classic moments? And I think it should have been the opposite, being like, Here's why we made a remake, like just find the things that they add to it and being like, OK, that's new. I can understand why they I need to see trying to do that, though. They try to hype up a little bit more of like now with real Puerto Ricans. Yeah, I mean, not really. I'm talking more like the trailer, I guess, but I get what you mean. Yeah. I did see the trailer after the movie and good trailer. 
like I I don't think it's a bad trailer. Like got me hyped for a movie sure. I'd already watched. Yeah, I mean, I I think the trailer is just like see the story you love, but with the Spielbergian touch, yeah. and I think Relive that's effective. The magic, but also, I mean, it's a I'm. I'm hoping that they were like, well, we're trying to appeal to a younger audience, but more realistically, I think they're like, we're appealing to an older audience who frankly just don't feel comfortable going to the movies right now. But I mean, yeah. after this and after cats, I think we kind of just have to accept that these like famous Broadway play musicals just, they just don't really do it. I mean, yeah. sometimes the summer ones do okay. Like the Mamma Mia's um, of the world, but yeah, I mean, in the Heights didn't do that great either. It's that justifies. That's what point. I'm saying. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it, but it, I think in the Heights, I think it did better. It's opening weekend. Um, Let me look it up. I opening think it did about the office. same. I think. Let's find out. It. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It made around eleven point five. Wow. It only made in the Heights only made twenty two point five million dollars. Yikes. That's wait, wait, wait. That might just be an old article. I could I could be totally wrong. Let me no let me fact check that. Hold on. I've been really bad about keeping up with box office stuff this year, I'll be honest. Me too. Well, because it, to me it's been a little bit more relevant than usual. Sorry, I made 43 million worldwide. Um only grossed Jeez, that's worse. 20 It only grossed 29 million domestically. Only 43 million worldwide? That's awful. That's horrifically bad. Yeah, that's like, that's I, worse than I thought. I thought I made like sixty something at least. That's forty three. Wow. <sighs> yeah, which is just sad. You hate to see it. Um, I mean, the context too. I mean, I think some people blame the pandemic. I don't really think the pandemic had much to do with it. We had movies like Free Guy and even Space Jam to some extent. Like we had movies coming out in the summer. Shang Chi came out in August, and those movies made a lot. So I, I mean, just think genuinely people just don't want to watch musicals in movie theaters right now. I think yeah. people want to watch musicals, but like on Netflix, like Tick, Tick, Boom and Vivo. Right. I think, I don't know. And I mean, Hamilton. some movies that did the day to day thing did OK or did pretty well, like Godzilla versus Kong. But I don't oh, know. Yeah, we I, should mention In the Heights was on HBO Max same day. Yeah. I mean, I'm guessing that's part of the reason why it flopped, but I also heard it didn't do that great on HBO Max. So I think. It didn't. Like, well, that's the thing. I, yeah. I think it's more about tastes. I don't think it's because people were like, well, I'd like to watch it at home because people weren't like that with a lot of other movies around this time, right. especially because yeah. in the Heights that came out like around what, like a quiet place F nine, those movies did big, big because people were like, I want to go back to a theater and I want to see something in a theater. It's just, they didn't want to see this movie in a theater. And I don't, I don't think it's like a racism thing. I don't think it's sort of like, well, no, you know, I don't think so. I don't want to yeah. see a movie about non-white people. I think a lot of it was because people were like, I don't care about musicals. Sorry. Yeah. It's, I love musicals and I wish a lot of them did better, but this was not the year of the musical and they sure did try to make it, but it just wasn't. It was the year of musical attempts. That's for sure. Sure. And I mean, at least half the movies were pretty good at least. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, Dear Evan Hansen was probably the weakest of them, but like I, you know, Encanto, you know, not a live action musical, but certainly a musical, musical with like really good songs. Yeah. So, you know, and, and Tick, Tick, Boom did pretty well, like streaming. It's just, yeah, I think there was this calculation, I think, made by some people that, you know, uh, how to market these. Um, I don't think it was in, like all plan, like to like come out with musicals sort of in this like weird, like pandemic still happening, but mm-hmm. it's not as like oppressively like. Like people aren't stuck in their houses all the time because of the vaccine, right? Right. So there is this sort of feeling like, well, people want to escape. They want a musical because it's going to make them feel better about life. I just don't think that's really it, though. I I don't think people want that. I don't know. We'll have to analyze that. 
I guess. I haven't watched Hawkeye, but uh, they want Hawkeye, they want Wanda, they want Loki, and they want Spidey. Yeah, they I mean, want... Spider Man's supposed to do really, really well. I mean, it's still too early to say, of course, at the moment. Well, the, but... the ticket sales outpaced Avengers Endgame, the highest grossing film of all time. So there are people expecting it to have a pretty big weekend, if not a bit front loaded. So who is to say? Yeah, who can say? Who's to know. say? Good movie. Uh, we'll be talking about that on the show later. I have no opinion. I have not seen it yet. <laughs> you can have an opinion. It just could be like a, an opinion based without any evidence or insight. I don't know. I mean, it just I'm not really excited for it. I like Spider-Man, but I'm not excited, but we'll you see. You sounded it. excited less about seeing the movie, but more about like who you're seeing it with. That's true. Yes, I'm going to be seeing it with some family and friends. I'm like, yeah, I'm excited to see them. I'm excited to go to the movies with everybody. That's yeah, exciting to me. That's the way to do it. I'm excited to see my family, see like Alfred Molina and Willem Dafoe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my best friend, Ned. Um, okay, let's play our game. Rotten Tomato scores. What do you think West Side Story has? 264 critics have logged review. I'm one of them. I got my West Side oh, Story review in. Congratulations. Um, yeah, we have a writer from the Young Folks who their review got counted as well, Pedro. Did they like it? Pedro liked it a lot. I think he cool. gave it an eight out of ten. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I graded it a uh, a B plus. Sure. I, I was waffling. I was like, "Is this a B?" No, I gotta give it the B plus because you. I'm still listening to the music. You transfer the. Oh, that's for your review. For my review. For my written okay. review. I thought you yeah. were saying his review. You turned into a B plus on. Rotten no. Tomatoes. Okay. That is disgusting. People who do that. No, no. I thought you meant like you were transferring. The uh, the numbers okay. into grades. I didn't know if I that thought was you something. were saying like I changed it. Oh I was no, just no, like, no 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 no! Not high I, enough. I feel like an eight out of ten is a B plus. I was gonna say I thought you could do number scores, but I didn't know if like they had to be letters on round two. Sure. I well, yeah yeah yeah. It's all who cares. It's all relative. Um, but anyway, two hundred sixty four reviews counted. What do you think the critic score on Rotten Tomato is? Tomatoes is um, for West Side Story. I I probably saw it at some point, but I don't remember it. My gut says ninety two percent. Wow, so close, so close. Just barely missed it. But do you think? Do you think you're you're off by one? I'm do you probably, think it's ninety three or ninety one? I'm probably up one more. It's probably ninety two or ninety one percent. Ninety three percent. Oh, it was the opposite. I tried. Okay. I tried to give you the second chance. I was like, you'll um, get that one. But oh well. Oh well. That's fine. That's fine. But no, ninety three percent. Unbelievably good, especially considering a lot of people, myself included, were kind of dismissing this one, being like, ah, just I don't know. Spielberg hasn't really made like a really great great movie like at this you know big scale and so long you were dismissing it in this review <laughs> that's true yeah <laughs> it's like even after you like raved about it um so yeah 93 percent audience score we have a thousand plus verified ratings i think that's how many people actually watched it total. yeah <laughs> um what do you think the audience score is uh i'm gonna guess pretty high i'm gonna say 96 percent you're one off once again. Okay. But do you think you're Nine. one off higher or lower? Well, last time I was wrong, I went too low. So this time I might go too high and say 97%. You missed it again. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Can't win. <laughs> 95%. I appreciate the logic. The logic is sound. Um, you just want to stick with uh, your guns, you know? Uh, okay, last is Cinema Score. This one, I I feel like I I'm looking at it now. I think I would have guessed this, but what do you think? A, it's an A. Yeah, I think I think that. But here's the thing: 
I think it's an A plus if you don't have the downer ending. <laughs> Honestly. Do they? I thought they only go up to A. Do they do A plus? They do A plus. Oh, it's really? an A plus to F scale. I thought it was like the Entertainment Weekly scale where it's like A is an A plus. Nope, nope. Um, in fact, I will look it up. Um, movies that have gotten an A plus cinema score. I don't think there are that many. Because you, you can't get like an F plus. So E.T. did. Rocky 3. That's surprising. Rocky 3. <laughs> okay. I love yeah. Rocky 3, but man, I would not give that an A plus. Um, Princess Bride. Sure. The first Die Hard. Sure. Dead Poet Society. Ooh. Driving Miss Daisy. I've never seen it, actually. You hate to see it. Um, I don't see any modern films on here. Mm-hmm. I'd probably have to scroll quite a bit. I'm seeing like When Harry Met Sally, Dances with Wolves, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin. You I, know. Was, I was nervous there was going to be like Green Book or something on this list. Hey, Schindler's List. Schindler's List got an A+. Yeah. I mean. Titanic. That makes sense. I mean, Lots of Disney know. stuff here, but I'm not seeing sure. new stuff. Toy Story 2. That's the newest I've seen so far. Monsters, Inc. Uh, you know, I mean, Schindler's List, uh, I mean, well acclaimed, obviously, but I, I kind of figured that would get just a straight A just because it's, you know, kind of a downer. The second Harry Potter movie? That's the worst wow. one. <laughs> it got an A-plus cinema score. That's the worst uh, Harry Finding Potter Nemo, movie. Lord of the Rings, Passion of the Christ. Wow. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's a, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that audience is in the bag for it. So that makes sense. Okay. So I, I just realized it's not a ranked list. It's literally like it was going in terms of like, it started with ET. because that was uh, the first one that oh, well. makes more sense. Cause like, these yeah. are getting more and more recent. Um, it's... okay. So the last film to get an A plus cinema score was Ford V Ferrari. Oh, wow. Okay. There were a few in 2019 Avengers Endgame and Harriet. Harriet. Endgame. Wow. I'm not surprised, but Harriet. Yeah, Harriet wasn't even that good of a film. Was, I'm sorry. I, I was, you know, barely. Uh, Spider-Man and the Spider-Verse. Incredibles yeah, 2. Yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, I really like Incredibles 2. I don't know if I can oh, give it an well, I got. Oh, I got bad news. Is it is Green Book on this list? <laughs> it's Green Book. I was nervous about that one. <laughs> your your nervousness was... Uh, warranted, yeah. Very warranted. I'm, I mean, I'm seeing, like, I can only imagine... 30 meta score because it's even showing me the meta score for it like mm. what a discrepancy man i don't know i mean look. it makes sense when you think about it though it's like the audience that comes out for some of these films like i'm seeing diary of a black mad black woman you know it's like there's a fan base that's showing up opening day and doing the cinema score thing if you had the opportunity would you go to one of these screenings just to kind of experience it i would i would do i'd it. be curious like I just kind of want to know what the room is like. That's more than anything. Like, I'm not trying to get yeah. a free movie. I just want to know, like, what's a room like when one of these screenings happens? Like, well, is it palpable or is it kind of one of those things where you're like, all right, no one's really responding. And then you just like A plus, A plus, A plus, A plus. And it's just like, well, I don't know, man. Like, I guess that's everyone guess was feeling A-plus it. A movie. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've been planning that Vegas trip for years. <laughs> Are we? Yeah, you know? I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. We've been putting it together. Just avoid like- the casinos. Uh, avoid the... Um, I just heard ushers in Vegas now. I guess for the week of Christmas, just avoid that. Um, just go, just go to uh, these crazy kooks at the um, Cinema Score and see what goes on there. We don't use that word in here. The borrowed line from the Matrix Resurrections. Uh, okay, which word they use? I apologize if I uh, crazy use kooks. Two words. Okay, is it, are those two words out of fashion? I don't know. I don't know. Okay. You think I'm a fashion expert, Will Ashen? I don't know. I don't. I don't mean to offend. I thought. I thought I was being pretty. Uh... I don't think you've ever offended me in my life. Oh really? I'm sure I've offended you at some point. Mm, I don't know. Even your mo- even your worst film takes. I've been like, I gotta respect that though. Yeah. I'm. 
at least these days I'm pretty mild mannered. Maybe when I was younger, you'd, you'd be offended by some like, I don't know if I, yeah, I don't know if I could have handled Will Ashton in a, during the rebellious phase. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. That's it for our show this week. Thanks for listening. We'll be back to talk about all kinds of other stuff. We're hoping to talk about nightmare alley soon. Swan yeah. song, Spider-Man sure. no way home. Of course, lots yeah. of stuff. We still haven't gotten to being the Ricardos. Yeah. It never ends. And Matrix. in a good way. Are we covering thing two? I mean, I saw it. So sure. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I mean, I'm not going to be like, you got to go. Um, but I, it's, I, yeah, it's got, it, uh, I shouldn't say this, but I think it's getting better reviews than Kings, man. Really? I, I like the first thing. I mean, I, I didn't, sure. I actually did. I got to say, I think I like the sequel better than the first one. I not think I like, I think I like sing more than Kingsman two. Definitely not for me. I mean, I, sure. I, I remember I liked Kingsman two a lot more than you did, but I'm trying to remember if, uh, yeah, I've, but see, that's the thing. The first Kingsman, it's so good. I, first I just don't Kingsman think they, I like. I'll they vouch. never really came back with something about the same. I, I, I like Kingsman too, but it's certainly not mm. aged as well. But mm. all right, that's it though for this week's episode of the show. We'll be back. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to all our stuff. You want to subscribe to all of our stuff, and we'll see you next time from the Internet California. I'm John Negroni, and from the Internet Pennsylvania, I'm Washington. See you.